Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. A preacher once came to the podium in front of his congregation and he said, you know, last week's been really, really tough. Uh, I've been working really hard, lots of prayer meetings to attend, lots of prayers to do. I'm really, really tired. I'd like to sit down and preach the message. And somebody yelled from the crowd and said, we were in the same meetings as you did. If you're going to sit down and preach, we're going to sleep and listen to you. So, <laughs> so I know last week's been, uh, you know, it's been, a, I wouldn't say a busy week for all of us. I think it's been a refreshing week for all of us. Uh, we've been praying and... <clears throat> What a great way to end it on Friday. I think it's been uh, refreshing for all of us to just sing praise and, and worship the Lord with you know, the other CCM family members. I think I personally found it really, really encouraging uh, in that sense. So, and what a great time to talk about the Spirit of God after we, what we have seen on Friday. And today we're going to talk about the mindset of the Holy Spirit. The mindset of the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, we're focusing on the book of Romans, and the book of Romans is, is quite a peculiar book for me personally because this is one book that I've read many times, not because I loved it, because most of the times I didn't understand it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of books, and uh, it's like a, you know, I always feel it's like an onion peel. You, you peel one layer, and then next time you revisit again, you peel one more layer. So that's how the book of Romans is, and that's how I would like to sort of associate with it. I mean... If you look at the book of Romans, it's one of the most logical book, I would say, because Paul writes it as a step-by-step process of, a, of the good news. Uh, right in the first verse, he says, it's a good news. This letter is actually a good news as he writes to the, the Romans. And uh, I mean, as a Christian, you know, depending upon your, your hunger, your thirst, you can stop at anywhere in the book of Romans. You can stop, say, for example, uh, if you want, say, if, if a Christian is only interested in, say, the forgiveness of sins, he can stop until, say, chapter 3. And if he wants more, like, if he wants, the, like, the justification by faith, he can stop at chapter 4. And if somebody wants to sort of seek a life of peace with God and joy and tribulation, they can stop at chapter 5. And some people can go at chapter 6 and say, okay, I'd like to move forward. I would have victory over sins. I mean, that's how people can, depending upon your hunger and thirst for the, for the word, you can stop at anywhere you want. That's how the logical explanation of Romans is. And the final step, which Paul talks about in chapter 16, is where the enemy is crushed under your feet. That's how the climax of the gospel is. And today, as I said, we're going to focus on chapter 8. Chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. As I said, it's called the mindset of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you have your Bibles. Uh, just bear with that, Sammy. Sorry. I think while they're fixing, I think it's all right. Uh, as I said, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, so there'll be some sort of disturbance. Anyway. Right. If you have your Bibles, yeah, let's, let's read it there, okay? So, 
Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Thanks. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Thank you so much. Yeah, just leave it. Right, when you, when you read this, these three verses, when you read these three verses, I mean, they're all very self-explanatory. I mean, I was just thinking, what should I talk about these things? I mean, it's so simple, isn't it? Like, but I was just thinking about the same, uh, you know, the onion peel example. Let's, let's try and peel. Let's try and peel, and I hope it gives us joy rather than tears when you real peel an onion as such. You know, but before I actually talk about this, uh, this, uh, this verses, I'd like to talk a little bit, I'd like to sort of set a backdrop about what exactly is sin, what exactly it means to sort of, what exactly is sin, what exactly it means to be, am I audible by the way? Okay, fair enough. That's good. So, what exactly is sin? What exactly it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit? I'd like to just talk a little bit of that before I go into chapter, the, chapter 8 and verses. So, I'd like to talk a little bit about sin in the first place. I mean, I mean, everybody's like, come on, Vishal. I mean, I know what a sin is. I know what sin is. I mean, uh, John 1, 3, 4, it says, sin is a transgression of law. These are the sins of commission. James 4.17, it says, one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, this refers to the sense of omission. But if you ask me, the clear definition of sin is, is in the chapter 3, verse 23. It says, sin is falling short of the glory of God. Sin is falling short of the glory of God. Sin is not just about breaking the Ten Commandments or not even coming short of the Sermon on the Mount principles where Jesus laid down in Matthew 5. Sin is falling short of the glory of God. What exactly is the glory of God? John 1.14, it says, The word became flesh and we saw his glory full of grace and truth. The glory of God was seen in the life of Jesus Christ. So if we combine these two verses, sin is anything unlike Jesus Christ. Sin is anything unlike Jesus Christ. Sin is falling short of the life of Jesus Christ. Anything less than the total likeness to Jesus Christ is sin. I find it personally, that's the right definition of sin. Falling short of the glory of God. This is one word we hear recurring times in the entire Romans or in the entire Bible per se. Anything unlike Jesus Christ is sin. And I remember a pastor always telling in the church, he said, Vishal, as Christians, we are supernatural beings. I mean, when I heard the first time, I thought, wow, that's, that's, that's something big. We are supernatural beings. Every time we would come and say, we are all supernatural beings. 
Christians are supernatural. Being, or rather, a life of Christian is essentially a supernatural living. I mean, by, by means of that, it's not, there are powers at work in Christian living that are above natural. That are about natural, you know, there are powers. By the way, these are not about channeling or crystals or witchcraft or sorcery. It's not that. It's not that. By the way, they're abomination, what it says in Deuteronomy. When I say supernatural being, I mean specifically the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it's, 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 it's a bit of mystery, isn't it? There's, there's a power beyond, our natural, uh, beyond your natural, natural human. As Christians, we have that power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are called as a supernatural beings. We live a supernatural living because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives by the faith on the basis of Jesus Christ's historical death and resurrection. Because we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have this spirit which makes us supernatural. The work of the uh, Holy Spirit is not vague. It's 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 not generalized, but it is specific and it is rooted in the concrete historical life and the death of Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, and who gives his Holy Spirit for all of the people who trust him. All you need to have the Holy Spirit is to trust upon the person of Jesus Christ. The big question is, who is actually a Christian? We talked about what is sin, we talked about why we are supernatural beings. Who is actually a Christian? And and, and in verse 9, it says it so clearly. I know I, I, it's not within my, within my limit to talk about verse 9, but I'd like to just talk about it. So, but it says, it says very clearly, that's why I had to say it. So it says, however, you are not in flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to them. This is one of the most clearest definitions as well. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ... He does not belong to him. It means if you are a Christian or if Christ is in you, it means that you will have the spirit or you should have the spirit. We do not belong to Christ if you do not have the spirit of Christ. So a Christian means we should have the spirit of Christ. If we don't have the Holy Spirit of Christ, by the way, the spirit of God, spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit, they're all synonymous. It all means the same thing. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't have the Christ. We are Christians. We are not Christians if you do not have the Spirit of Christ or Holy Spirit. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the mindset of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 5, the mindset of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to read that verse, verse 5, chapter 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You know, the flesh and Spirit, you know, mind is, is, is a battlefield between the flesh and Spirit. It's always that tussle, that, that tug of war, you call it. But as a Christian, we walk not according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. And that's what exactly is a spiritual mindset. The mindset behind walking in the spirit is a mindset toward walking towards the truth and value of the things of the spirit. Let me give you a very classic example. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was baptized. We all know the Holy Spirit came like a dove. 
Let's go to chapter 4. The Spirit led Jesus Christ to the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That's what the word says. And when after 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy comes to Jesus, can you imagine a person fasting for 40 days? What is the first thing that comes to his mind? Food. (laughs) And that's exactly what Satan's temptation was. Look at these stones and ask them to become bread. That's what his first temptation was. And what Jesus said, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't want food. It means that Jesus did not have the mindset to yield to his flesh, but had the mindset to yield to his spirit. His mindset was on the spirit and not on the flesh. The flesh, the desire, this human body, this this body wants to sin. That's his nature. But as Christians, we have to exercise the mindset of that spirit. The flesh wants to steal, covet, lie, lust. But we are supernatural beings. We have a supernatural living. We have the Holy Spirit and we have to exercise that mindset. I'd like to give you another example. Peter, when G- Peter was, I, I, I really don't find Peter's fault there. When Jesus said, Peter, I have to die and so and so forth in, in, in three days and, and all these things, Jesus says. And Peter says, no, Jesus, no, you're not supposed to die. You know what Jesus' answer was? Get away from me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. Peter was just thinking from a, from a human perspective. He said, how can Jesus die when he is God? He was thinking from that sense. I don't blame Peter because he didn't experience the Holy Spirit until we reached in the book of Acts, the complete overwhelming part of the Holy Spirit. We have to exercise the mindset of the Spirit. And the classic example I've just talked about is Jesus. The second point I'm going to quickly talk about is the conflict between the law of Spirit and the law of sin and death. It is, again, I have to go back, it's in verse 2. By the way, nobody spoke about verse 2 last time, so I'm I'm happy to do that. (laughs) So, verse 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. I'll say that again. The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The best way it is put in verse 2, it says the law of sin, the law of sin and death, it, ex- it exactly operates like gravity. You know, it always pulls us down. Like the law of sin and death and the law of spirit, they are opposite forces. The law of spirit always wants to pull us up. The law of sin and death always wants to pull us down. It's always pulling us down. But the, but the law of spirit is not like a Ten Commandments, thou shalt not do it, thou shalt not do it. But it's the very life of Jesus Christ. The law of spirit is always is pulling us up. And the law of sin and death is pulling us down. For example, if I have to say, for example, if I have to hold this, this, this for a phone, for example, you know, the moment I leave this phone, it will, it will definitely fall because the gravity is pulling it down, right? But it is the power in me which is stopping the phone to fall, fall down. But it is exactly the same power which is enabling you and me not to fall in sin. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. It will exactly, it, it, this, this phone will definitely fall, right? But it, because the power and life in me, I'm enabling it not to fall. It is exactly the same power that Christ is giving us not to fall in sin. That exactly is the life of the Spirit. 
This phone do not have any choice. It doesn't have any choice. But we, as Christians, have a choice whether we want to give ourselves to the Spirit so that we don't fall into the sin. I do not want to take any credit if, if I say that, you know, that I don't fall into sin. No, I do not want to because it's, it's not in my will. It's my, my basic human says that I have to fall in sin, but the law of the Spirit is pulling me up. I have to give myself to Christ so that I don't fall down. These are always opposing forces, the law of sin and death, the law of spirit. The law of spirit wants to always make us stand in the presence of the Lord, but the law of sin is pulling us down. It's pulling us down. The final thing that I'm going to talk about, the hostility of the flesh, hostility towards God. Verses 7 and 8. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. The mindset of the flesh, as I said in the beginning, like the, the, the very basic human nature as mere humans, without the supernatural help in the spirit, it is hostile to God. It is an enemy to God. The body by itself is, is an enemy to God without the spirit. As we mere humans, as normal human beings, without the spirit of God, it's always hostile to God. That's why it says so many times, it does not and cannot submit to God or please God. The flesh will never, ever, ever submit to God. We desperately need the mindset of the spirit because without that we are dead and hostile towards God. You know, I, I, I come from a land where people go through some excruciating methods to kill the desires of the flesh. Just to appease God. They want to kill this desires of the flesh to just to say to God, Lord, I'm actually killing the desires of my body so that I can appease you. I can, I can, I can reach out to you. Some live as hermits. Some, some abstains from familiar ties. Some walk to temples on barefoot. And so many other things. I can, I can tell you some, some, some insane things people do to reach out to God. Just, they're trying to say, God, look at me. I'm actually putting my flesh to death so that I can please you. But they know it too, that it is only for a limited amount of time they can do that. They cannot do it permanently. But as Christians, we have a permanent respite where the power of the Holy Spirit can actually, you don't have to please God. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the flesh is dead. When the flesh is died, dead, it is not hostile to God. It is a friend to God. The flesh with the spirit is a friend to God. Fair enough, Michelle, you say, you're saying all these things, supernatural beings, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, is essential for the right, right walk with God. I, I, fair enough, all these things I understand, but I don't understand the Holy Spirit. I don't understand the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's real. I've, I've come across a lot of people who say those things. I don't think that's, that's, that's actually real. My answer was, was quite simple. I, I know it was honest, but I said, just because the voice, the language, and the method of the Holy Spirit existence in your life is not comprehensible, in your life doesn't necessarily mean that it is not comprehensible in other people's life. 
Just because you don't understand it, the, the language, the voice, the existence of the methods, doesn't mean that other people don't experience. They do experience it. I, I've come across people where they, they, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is actually living upon them. A lot of people say, because I didn't experience it, it it's not real. But a lot of people have experienced it. Peter has experienced it on the, on the, on the day of the Pentecost, right? Like how many, how many Jews were converted? Imagine Jews being converted. It's an impossible task. Just by the power of the Holy Spirit. I, 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 as I say, just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't make sense to other people. A lot of people do make sense of the Holy Spirit. Do make sense of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I clearly remember, I, I, was, I came to this country in, in 2008 and, and I was a complete new boy from India coming to this, coming to this, land, this land. And we had to go to a conference in Scotland. And I was in this conference, and after the conference was finished, we had a conference dinner, and uh, uh, we, we, we went to this fancy restaurant, and I was served with something which, which looked like a jacket potato, uh, but, uh, but, but uh, instead, of put, instead of potato inside, there was some minced meat, and they said, they called it, they, they said it's called haggis. I said, okay, and, uh, and uh, I had no idea what, what, what it was uh, in the first place, but later I found the origin of it, but uh, I had no choice to but to eat it. And before I actually sort of started to eat it, a big man with a, with a bagpipe and a kilt came in, and uh, uh, and and he was he stood right in the in, in, in the middle of the, in the restaurant. He gave a he gave a massive monologue. He finally took a knife and make a I don't know something uh, swish sound, and everybody la- everybody around me laughed. And uh, I joined the laughter as well. Uh, I, I I I I joined the laughter as well, and everybody after he finished, everybody started picking their knives and. Started eating it, and my, I remember my professor was sitting next to me, and I asked him a very simple question. I said, "Which language did this man speak in?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my professor looked at me very surprised, and he said, "English." <laughs> I said, "What?" Yes, we shall. He spoke in English. <laughs> Honestly, I did not understand a word. <laughs> I did not understand a word. I came from India, right? I, 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 my English was my third language, but fairly I understood the vocal language and the body language. I could understand what the person was saying, but I did not understand a word. <laughs> when I came here, there was the, there was the English was different in Manchester, English was different in Liverpool, English was different in Scotland. And then on that day, I realized something just because what the man spoke to me did not make sense to me. There are other people in that room which made sense of what that man said. Holy Spirit is exactly like that. Just because I don't understand it, doesn't, don't strike it off and say, it doesn't make sense to me, so it, it doesn't make sense to anyone. I've seen, I've, as I said, a lot of, I've, I've come across people where the Holy Spirit does make sense to them. It is comprehensible. The language is comprehensible. A lot of people say, a lot of, when, they, when, they, when they are in the Spirit, they talk gibberish. No. No. On the day of the Pentecost, when people were speaking in the language of the Holy Spirit, there were other people, they said they're speaking a language which is real, mm-hmm. which was real. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. There are, there are many more fruits of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be filled or have the mindset of the Holy Spirit, as I said, you have to believe in the person of Jesus Christ. Only if you believe the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. And, the, and above all, I'd say, I always say to people, the only way for the Holy Spirit to live in you is to humble ourselves. 
We have to humble ourselves and we have to believe in the person of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We need to have the mindset of the Holy Spirit, the law of sin and spirit. They operate in opposite forces and the flesh can never please God.